0: Hey folks, Preet here. I hope you're all doing okay at this very difficult time for the country and and for the world. Some of you may know that every week I write a personal note to the members of the Cafe Insider community. This week I wanted to share my note with everybody. This is what I wrote. If you have a minute, let me know what you think. Send your thoughts to letters at cafe.com. You may think I don't read the feedback that comes in, but I do, and I appreciate it very much. Dear listener, Greetings from home isolation. No one in my family is sick or symptomatic, but like millions of Americans, we are doing our part to help stop the spread. I've barely left the house in five days, and then only to get food and provisions. I expect it to be so for weeks more, at least. Just 10 days ago, this would have seemed an extreme overreaction. Now it's just the way it is. I know I'm not making a novel observation. The most common conversation I have with people lately is some version of, can you believe what it was like just seven days ago? I'm sure you're all thinking and saying the same kinds of things. Not long ago, we thought the pain might be short-lived. Not long ago, supplies were plentiful. Expectations and adaptations change hourly. By the next time you hear from me, we may be in a nationwide lockdown. That was unthinkable just last weekend. People are drawing parallels between this crisis and some from the past. None of the modern brushes with pandemic disease seem to fit the bill. Not Ebola, or swine flu, or HIV. Others make comparisons to the financial crisis and recession of 2008. That doesn't seem to fit either. Ben White, an economics correspondent for Politico, put it this way in a tweet last night Quote, A person asked me if covering the 2008 crisis was this grim. No, it was awful and scary. I left the New York Times newsroom shaken on many nights. But this, is far worse. A terrifying, world-altering health crisis with a financial crisis strapped to its back and poised to explode. End quote. Still others invoke the terrible period after 9-11. This analogy most matches my own feelings. I've asked myself, when have I ever felt this uneasy and worried? Only 9-11 comes close. I was living in Manhattan, we had a four-month-old daughter, and I was working at SDNY. For a long while, we awaited another mass attack, which never came. I was anxious then, and I am anxious now. But this pandemic is different, and in a way, even more worrying. I've been trying to figure out why that is. How can this feel worse than the worst attack on American soil in history? I have some preliminary thoughts. One difference is that back then, we came together. We had resolve. Members of Congress, arm in arm, sang God Bless America on the steps of the Capitol. Love poured in from around the country and world to New York, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. There was shared loss and communal mourning. We had strong leadership. Whatever you think of George W. Bush and Rudy Giuliani today, they said the right things in the right way in the aftermath of the terror attacks. Now our leaders are often bickering and belligerent, some states taking strong action, while others are keeping their beaches open. And we have a mendacious, minimizing narcissist presiding over the whole mess. We are fractured, not unified. There is also the simplest of differences. After 9 11, we did a lot of hugging. In the age of coronavirus, you can't even shake anyone's hand. It is harder to come together when you have to socially distance. Feelings of isolation are natural given the need for literal isolation. Another difference is the nature of the enemy. On 9 11, the enemy was human. You had the belief that evil people could be defeated by good people. You also could get angry, and you had a target for your anger, the murderous members of al-Qaeda. Maybe this is a reason, aside from deflection, that Trump may seek to twist our response in part into a battle against China, not just the disease. It's oddly comforting to be able to blame people. You could go to war and fight. I was not yet in the Organized Crime and Terrorism Unit at SDNY, but I had friends and colleagues who were investigating the attacks at a command center to bring the evildoers to justice that made me feel better too. These are microbes, not men. The enemy is invisible and ominous. There's not a lot of understanding about the disease yet. After 9-11, moreover, we knew there could well be another attack, but we could hope that the next plot could be stopped. Indeed, it never came. Here, the disease looms overhead like a poisonous storm cloud. The doctors tell us what is inevitable, and they show us the math. We watch Italy as astronomers might observe a nearby star, knowing that it is only seven light days away, and that country's present is our future. What this pandemic imposes is not so much terror as dread. But I have plenty of hope. Millions of people's attitudes and behaviors have changed on a dime. The remaining oblivious millions can yet come together and do the same. In the end, we are not being asked to go to war like the greatest generation was. There will be widespread suffering as people lose incomes and fall sick, but the immediate asks of us are mostly mundane. Wash your hands, shelter in place, don't hoard goods. And there are moments of grace and zen all over. People are buying groceries for the elderly, making food deliveries, checking on their neighbors, and helping in any way they can. Even in Italy, the hardest-hit European country, there is spontaneous opera on balconies, and dolphins are reappearing in waterways. Certain shortages have been overstated. It's a small thing, but I can share that our family procured two bottles of hand sanitizer from the local CVS this morning at the ordinary price, and there was toilet paper in our grocery store yesterday. A week ago, that's what was unthinkable. Like you, I am cooped up and fretful, but I have shared every meal the past week with my kids, and for that, I feel blessed and grateful. Be well and be kind. My best, Preet. So folks, thanks for listening. If you haven't caught the discussion Anne Milgram and I had with Lisa Monaco, head to cafe.com slash Preet.